Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Back to Basics program. I am finally out of quarantine. We are back in the studio for the third and last episode on the topic of Harsinai. Last episode, Rabbi Liel promised us a magic trick, and I love magic. So, let's get right to it. I'm Yisrael Yudkowski. You are listening to the Foundations Podcast. So we are back for the third episode on the Harsinai topic. We had the introduction. Last week was part one, and now we are back for part two. So Rabbi Liel, take it away. Okay. So today we got finally to, you know, the grand finale, as I say. So last week we left off with the two arguments, that people, the past theory and the present theory that people might say. I'll just go over it quickly. You know, the past theory is people say, oh, well, this mass revelation claim that you have Jews was made up. So we we always tell them, yeah, come on, come with the concrete scenario to bring it, it on. It has to man. be three million people, and you know, father to son, father to son. So it has to be. It has to be. I mean, this is a mass revelation. It's not like any other religion that had uh, by one or two per- people that started the whole religion and zero credibility. Over here, it's millions of people witness it, so it's alive. So the 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 argument is well you guys made it up oh we made it up how how would such a lie kick off how can you start such a lie and the arguments will be either in the past theory or the present theory i i guarantee you all the arguments are around there all the different versions of the arguments that people argue with harsinai are either will go into the past theory and the present theory that's why we're bringing the arguments more in a like a category rather than specific like if you look deep they'll all narrow down to either the past or the present theory exactly go look into any argument ever made with with our claim of harsin in the last you know few years um you'll see you'll see um this pattern it's going to either take you to the past theory which is oh a guy came and he gave it, this very important guy that started the religion, and there were no three million. He just gave, oh, how did people buy it, buy this idea? That, so he told them, listen, it's all true. It happened like 2,000, 3,000 years prior to that event, and they all got wiped out, those great Jewish people. And here, I'm giving this book to you, and it, it kicked off. That's the past theory, and there is different versions of saying that. That argument exactly was the scenario. And the present theory is that, no, actually, what's written everything is, is true, but, but it's fake. Meaning, it was presently manipulated to cheat a group of three million people. Yeah. So, yeah, he, there was, it was not really God speaking. There was like uh, uh, a DJ in the background doing sound effects with uh, under the mountain there was someone hiding with the uh, speakers <laughs> exactly massive speakers and throw in there what people say that they were slaves that were hallucinating and they were you know totally disordered um, so they bought any idea okay yeah, also just by the way I was thinking about it and even before we get to the answer to the past and present theory I think it is impossible to say, like, you just can't say that, oh, it was just made up that three million people, uh, you know, God revealed himself to three million people. Why can't you make it up? Because 
there are between four and a half thousand and ten thousand religions today. Since the beginning of creation, there are close to one hundred thousand. If it would be possible to make up that God revealed Himself to three million people, like the entire nation. Wouldn't there be a couple of others who would also decide? Because obviously it sounds much better if you say, hey, God revealed himself to the entire nation, millions and millions of people, than if you say, oh, God revealed himself just to me. But it's true. Like, if it would be possible to convince people that God revealed himself to three million people, other religions would also do it. If none of the close to 100,000 other religions made up that God revealed himself to the entire nation, then th- then obviously you just can't do it because these people who make up their religions, they're smart people. You know, they're not stupid. You need to convince thousands, sometimes tens of millions, sometimes even billions of people that God w- revealed himself to this person or, you know, and people do it, which means obviously you're smart to convince billions and billions of people something that never happened. These people are smart. Why couldn't they come up with a way to convince the people that God revealed himself to three million people? Right. It only happened by one or two people. And you're saying it would be much better if they would sell their religion with a mass like the Jews did. Exactly. And And if nobody did it, close to 100,000 religions and cults, like if nobody came up with the system, how to convince people that three million, that God revealed himself to three million people, it's obviously impossible. You just can't make such a thing up. It just makes no sense that there was only one out of 100,000 religions that, that managed to make it up that God revealed himself to three million people. Right. But that's all nice and game. But you still you're always gonna have that guy that, oh, but you could say that the, 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 oh. yeah, only though this one time God So obviously we also want a scientific answer why it just literally, you know, proven why it cannot happen. But just like if you think about it, you just can't make such a thing up. It just makes no sense. 100%. But let's get down to the scientific no, no, no. 100%, answer. Israel, thank you very much for ruining this episode right at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> because because the the final, the bomb, what we call, is starting with that point that you're saying. It's not the full bomb, but it's like kind of the detonator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's part, it's, just it's, part of the magic But trick. that's the direction we're going to go. Exactly. Exactly. We're going to start with that point that you said. We're just going to say it a little bit from, from within. We're going to perform the magic trick. But that will definitely will be, obviously, the direction that we're going to go on this point of mass revelation that it didn't repeat itself by any other religions, okay? So, very good, Israel. Thank you very much for destroying it right at the beginning. Yeah. Sorry, but people. To, <laughs> but but definitely we're going to pick on what you said when we get to the bomb, like Rabbi Kellerman calls it. And we're going to go right now, let's say w- within the arguments, back to the arguments within the past and present theory. Okay, let's say it's an argument that someone will still want to push, although what you said, even with what you said, Israel. Let's say someone still wants to push, well, okay, it happened once, but it still didn't really happen because of the past or present theory, okay? Let's say he's going that far. So let's go into the argument. Rabbi Kellerman brings two point to argue back on the arguments, okay? So this is not the final proof of RSD night, but this is just an argument back on the arguments they make, they make with us. So with the past theory, um, the problem with that is that, you know, in Jewish tradition, if you know, just go into reality and go on and investigate and uh, learn about some uh, about Jewish life, right? By us, by every, you know, book, every Jewish book, every Jewish shul, every Jewish family has names 
And we're talking about hundreds of thousands of names of people that contributed towards Judaism, towards the Messorah, towards the tradition of Judaism. We name them. We name them all. I mean, in fact, you can open, for instance, we can bring a few examples. The Rambam, he brings at the beginning in his Akdama, in his introduction, he brings names after names of people that passed the Messorah, one after another, boom, 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 names. And you can find in Judaism family trees with dates of birth, incredible family trees that root up with accurate names, places, historical events, everything, you know, till graves and archaeology, right? Okay, so we're not going to go deep into, obviously there's a lot of details in it. But bottom line is, we are loaded with names of people that contributed towards Judaism, right? Even smaller things, okay? But uh, let's take the big ones. For instance, who wrote the who wrote down the Gemara? The Torah about Peh was always orally, right? Who wrote it down because you know Torah Torah was being forgotten? Who wrote it down? Ravina and Ravashi, right? So we all know these names thrown out, and we know Moshe Rabbeinu, we know Aaron Akko, we know the Rambam, we know the, the, the Rabbi Kiva Iger, you know, Gedolim from today, and throughout history, we have so many names, Rabbi Yonah, the Ramchal, name it, right? Name it. <laughs> Quite literally, <laughs> you can name so many names, of, and we know what they contributed to Judaism, right? Things that we have till today, right? Yeah, sure. like what time in history they lived and stories that happened in their lifetime. and Right, and just... because of that, we have the teachings for today. I'm talking specifically more in in Torah, in contributions towards Jewish life and Torah and our tradition, right? Or, for instance, you go to a shul, right? The shuls are full of plaques. What does it say on the wall? Yeshua Tenenbaum donated this. Uh, Harry Schwartz donated this, right? Every we we name we are obsessed almost with with naming people that contributed to Judaism, right? Very good, and that's a crazy thing by us. Anyone that knows Jews, we know that we're obsessed with names that people that contributed. We remember them. We have yard sites, don't we? Have endless of lists of yard sites of people that died, and we mention them. We light a candle for them. Interesting that according to the past theory meaning someone came in some point, gave us the books, sold us the books of five books of Moses that we have, and he said, no, it really belonged to a certain nation that really happened 3,000 years ago, just they got wiped out, right? So that guy that brought the books for the second time, he should be the second to most important person, like besides Moses, in his story that he sold, he should be, let's call him Fred, right? Fred should be the second to the most important person in the whole entire Jewish religion. Like anybody who did even something small, we remember him hundreds of years later. But the guy who literally brought back Judaism into the world and yeah, the, the most whole religion one. is based on him bringing us that book. Right. And yeah, we don't care about him. Uh, what's his name? Um, ask any Jew. Like there's a few millions. That you can ask, and you ever heard of him? Where did he live? What's his name? Uh, name, please. How did he look like? 
where was he? I mean, we, we even know Yasala the Ghana from the Shtetl 500 <laughs> years ago. Like, even the Ganavim we remember, but we didn't remember the guy who started exactly. all of it. Like, seriously? What's his name the, in the Gemara? Machal ben Drosai, right? We have an Alacha. It says that if you ate uh, on Shabbos, you're allowed to cook to, certain, to what is called uncooked. So there's a, a degree of cooking called machal bendrasai, the food of bendrasai. Bendrasai was a was a thief that he walked into a house. He was in the middle of stealing, and he saw a good schnitzel being uh, being fried on the pan in the kitchen, and it was raw. It was barely cooked, and he grabbed it and ate it. It was like good enough for him. So we have even the name of bendrasai, like it was good enough for him level of of cooking. We even remember this guy bendrasai. You're reminding me. My mother once asked, like, what was it on the Shabbos table? I was mentioning Machab and Rasai, and my mother had a question. She said, like, why remember this guy gets so much honor that we remember him? He was a thief. How do we honor him? I told her, Ma, um, yeah, we were remembering him forever that he was a thief. (laughs) (laughs) We're not remembering him for the good reasons. (laughs) Exactly. Anyways, that's the argument we have that it's totally out of reality. To say this argument, the past theory, anything that goes in the realm of past theory, of saying, oh, this guy came and sold it, well, that's so anti-reality by us. And there is absolutely no basic for that because he should be the second to the most important person in Judaism. And yet there's nothing of him when we have every, like you just mentioned, the worst of the martial of the Ghana we have, and we won't have the second to the most important person in our whole entire history. Okay. So that's the argument in very short with the past theory. With the present theory, however, there's a, over here it gets more, you know, hot. You know, uh, most of the arguments will be put into the present theory, right? To say that we were shroomed up, national truck trip, it was this, that. It was, it was manipulated. Okay. So you want to say it was just an event of slaves that came out and somehow they convinced them. Or let's say, even let's say to the to the story that someone sold his books, right? But he somehow managed to convince them that it's all real. It's like, you heard it. Yes, you, you heard God speak to you. And it happened. This book, these books just fell from heaven. And it's true, every part of it. Let's say you put something in that present theory. Again, that's why I'm not going specific because all of these arguments will go somehow into the present mostly. And that's where people mostly like to argue. And the argument back with present anyone that wants to suggest present theory is a very to go to a very interesting story um, about Marshall Applewhite. You can look it up. You can see um, a very disturbing story. When I first heard the story, it was like it was it was pretty horrifying to hear. But anyways, anyone that knows some American history. You know, during the 60s, 70s, 80s, the, the cults in, in the States were, you know, were, were going wild. You know, everyone remember uh, Jim Jones? What was his name? Jim Jones? Yeah, Jim Jones, I think. Uh, the guy that uh, it was like the biggest uh, mass suicide in modern history. Um, so it's a long story. But anyways, it was known there were so many cults had to do with the hippies movement a kind of result of it um not going to go too deep into that but basically there was this one cult based in california 
And the guy that was the head of the cult, the cult leader, his name was Marshall Applewhite. So if you want to look it up, you can look up Marshall Applewhite. Basically, to make a very long story short, he started a cult, then he failed, then finally got back on track. And this was in a stage already that he was going deep into depression. And um, um, why, why are we picking Dafka on this story? Because first of all, this guy was obsessed with recording everything. You can actually find videos of him speaking and all of his his thing. Besides the, I'll I'll, I'll explain later. Um, you know, almost everything was was almost everything was recorded on tape, and it's available to see. Um, so that's why you know this is a real living story that you can still verify and check today. But anyways, so. He had a group of followers, I think, in that point already when he was, like, very successful in his career of his cult. He had uh, a few tens of, of followers, and it got narrowed down towards the end, like, to around 40 uh, uh, members that were following him. He had a, a beautiful mansion somewhere, Santa Fe, something like that, in, in uh, I don't remember the name of the, play, of the city, in California. He had a mansion there, and there they used to sit. Now, his basic idea was, uh, I mean, you more recognize it by, if anyone heard about this, by Heaven's Gate. That was the, the cult's name, Heaven's Gate. His basic belief was that this world is, ugh, a world of suffering, and there's there's no, uh, there, this world is full of bad and not good things for us, and there's a much, much better place out there. Sounds familiar? There's a much better place. And uh, heaven, and uh, there you just need to get there. Heaven's gate, okay. And we the, we need to do preparations and prepare ourselves to get to there. That was basically, and it went on for years. And slowly, slowly, if you know the the way cults work, it's not in one day. It's a whole entire system of manipulation, and with a very charismatic leader that brings you to that point. And and basically, they started. They they barely eat. They wouldn't be involved in any basically any like pleasures in this world and whatever. And they were going deep and deeper. Uh, when you know, and he, uh, Marshall Applewhite, was also getting into deeper, deeper depression, and things were just escalating. And then it was in the eighties that there was a comet that was passing near planet Earth. I mean, not really close to us, but it was seen from planet Earth, and it was called the Hale-Bob Comet. Um, what was special about that comet, it had a certain tail. It had a tail that was very different than any other comets. And among the science community, there was a big discussion about wh- why is this, what's the reason for it, and Apple Marshall White had the perfect explanation for it. He said, this is our spaceship. That will take us finally to heaven's gate. Now you're laughing, Israel. Don't laugh because listen what happened next. And he started telling them, "Prepare for the day. This is our time. The time has come." You know, most a lot of I won't say most, but a lot of these cults they have like a doomsday. They have the day that's all come that will be revealed. He has to build up to something, and usually after that, usually it falls apart. But in this case, ooh, ooh what happened? So he basically told them that they'll have to come to this final event. Um, they had to wear, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Nike shoes. And 
It was all just a big Blank Nike clothes. ad. <laughs> Could you never know today with conspiracy theories? But um, they had to come in Nike shoes, wearing I think certain bl- black clothes and things like that. Basically, they all came to the event besides one guy that didn't that you know backed out the last minute. And I think thirty nine members of them were laying on the bed on that event. They all did something pretty horrible to themselves. I don't want to describe over here. Um, after they took, you know, um, some substance to, you know, make them not so conscious. Let's put it that way. And um, and then they took poison, right? A certain a certain uh, uh, poison, and laid there on the bed. And they essentially descending to heaven's gate, right? To the spaceship, Hill Bob Comet, that came to pick them up. And one after another. And here, this is all recorded on tape. That's That tape is not available. I think it's by the police. But uh, still, but um, one after another, they kill themselves. And then, and finally, Apple Marshall, according to Rabbi Kelman, says he was like, ha ha, what a joke. And he killed himself as well. Um, the first videotape that you could find available is that the guy that backed out, he came in with a camera. I don't know why that's interesting on itself, but he came in with a camera and recorded at the after event. He recorded everyone laying on their bed, very peace. They had to put, like, I think, a coin on themselves. It was a whole ceremony, how they killed themselves. And 39 men and women were were laying there dead. Immediately, police came, an investigation was uh, started, and they brought down in, I think it was UCLA, they had a department that was investigating cults and religions. So they brought them down to investigate the case. And basically, they came, and they had tapes and everything. They they were able to investigate it really thoroughly. And this is what we— It was we, like when the murderer leaves his name and address at the crime scene. You know, right, exactly. Like all these videotapes. He's like, oh, thank you for doing our job, sir. That was pretty easy. Yeah, so they were able to study the case. Like, how did this happen? That was crazy. And um, they got to a few conclusions, but what, what we want to take out of that whole entire story was one main point. But basically, first of all, they found out that all of those members were not crazy people. They all had, like, really, they were cr- people with careers prior before they joined the cult, the people with master degrees, people, very highly educated people. It was not a bunch of homelesses from the street that uneducated people, you would say, no. It was really highly educated people, very smart, that had family, that had everything. And once they joined the cult, everything changed. So one of the conclusions were that people are gullible. Hmm. Yeah, that's not a surprise. And that is a very known phenomenon. If you look in Pirke office, a lot is talked about it. Al tamin beat mechad yomoscha. Don't uh, uh, take your everything you have for granted. You never know. You always need to be on guard. Um, that's number one. But number two is where we really want to dive into. They said they checked all of his saying and everything he said, right? And they realized is and they you know they they put it together with many other cults that they were investigating that any cult leader will never give over a checkable lie 
a piece of information that really could be verified on spot and be checked in reality. For example, if Marshall Applewhite will tell them, you see, the Hale-Bob Comet is a spaceship that will take us. Now, they don't have, you don't have a way to prove right or wrong that it's a spaceship that will take you to Heaven's Gate because you never saw Heaven's Gate and you never were on a, on a, on a comet, right? That will, right? But imagine Marshall Applewhite instead will tell them, well, that Hillbob Comet is the same spaceship that brought here your, all your grandmothers and grandpa, grandfathers. It's the same one. Would he say that? No. Why? Because the second the group, group of uh, the cult followers will hear that, oh, my grandma came on that spaceship? Hmm. He might pick up the phone and call his grandmother and ask her, uh, Grandma, did you come on the Hale-Bob comment a, a few years ago? Obviously, he won't do that. So that whole beautiful, fancy story really was brought down for this one single point. And you could check it by, by yourself. You can go and investigate and see all these cult leaders, when they give a, a, a doomsday or something that's going to happen, they will never give you any of their sayings, nothing on something that's checkable something that you can go and verify immediately to see when he said it, is it true or not. They say things that are very vague to here or to there that cannot be said for sure it's true and for sure it's a lie. They're somewhere in the between. That's why cult leaders are usually not dumb people. They're very smart, very smart, very high IQ usually they have and smart and manipulative and and many other characters that you need to be a cult leader, right? Uh, charismatic and so and so on, but they always are very careful not to say something that could be checked, not a checkable lie. Now let's go back to the present theory. You want to tell me that it was sold and it was told them you heard God right now, okay? And he gave them the five books of Moses, right? Is that true? That's what that's our claim. Okay, let's open the five books of Moses. That was totally brought down by a lie. The guy sold it. Yeah, let's start checking. And if you open the Chumash, you realize the present theory just just is not a serious argument. Why? Because the Torah is loaded. What I mean loaded is like... From cover to cover times five. Especially the middle part where it gets to all the laws and promises. The Torah is loaded with checkable things, with things you can immediately check. And we're not going to go through, through... There's many of them that we can go through. I'm, I'm literally almost... Uh, from from cover to cover, like you said, uh, for instance, um, God says that in the three in the three regalim, you could leave the borders. Don't for, don't worry about the borders of enemies coming. Like back in the days, it was. I mean, still today, uh, the borders are are a serious threat from other nations that want to conquer or have all kinds of crazinesses going on, craziness uh, desires. Um, to go and attack us. On the three regalim, on the three uh, Pesach, Shavuos and Sukkot, you can leave the borders, don't worry, come to Yerushalayim to party, and don't worry, nothing will happen to you. That's checkable, no? You need to see if that will happen or not. Um, For example, back in the days, right, without crop, people went wherever you were able to grow food, right? That's how you lived. Um, there was no shipping and there was no, you know, uh, import export like today. And the Torah says, well, on six years, 
you should you should work your 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 soil and grow uh, 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 crops. And on the seventh year is is a Sabbath. You don't need to grow anything. Don't worry about anything. Just leave your business. Go learn Torah. Relax. Think about the world to come. That's the the main point. And th- that this world is not the main uh, uh, destination. And uh, don't worry. God will pay you for that. God will, on the eighth year, God will give you uh, plenty, plenty to cover up for that. You will never lose from it. What a promise. Go tell a guy not to work for, hey, leave your job for a year. Uh, go chill. Go sit in the basement and learn. Leave your job. Don't worry. God will take care of you. It also says that on the sixth year, everything is going to grow double. This way you could, you know, store it and have enough food also for the seventh. When the sixth year comes, you could just like, hey, did it continue the same as the past five years or I actually got double? Exactly. Exactly. And you go on and on. And anyone that knows the Torah, you see that there's endless of these kind of examples until more examples of like, uh, uh, that's almost another category of like how much tzedakah you need to give. You need to give miser to the coin. You have fruits. You need to give your first fruit. You give your first uh, uh, born of animals. You need to give your first born human really belongs to the coin. You just need to do pidyon aben. And on and on and on. This kind of book cannot be sold. It's just, you cannot sell it. It's full of checkable things that you can check that if they wouldn't happen, if it will all be a lie, people would check it. You open the book, you say, well, this didn't happen. This doesn't happen. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. It all doesn't make sense. And that book will never be going on. Have a nice day, but I'm out. Exactly. Everyone will throw it out of the window in two seconds because they would see it's full of lies that I can check. I can call my grandmother and ask her, "Is that did that really happen? It's not possible. If you tell me it, it, a one line, they made a whole show and they sold you on the mountain with DJ and everything, they sold you a line or two, fine, that will pass. Even more than one lines, all kinds of crazy ideas out there, which actually happened with a lot, a lot of religions and cults. There was a certain event. There was a certain event that people got, you know, convinced and pulled into it. A few lines, a few ideas you can sell. You never, ever will be able to sell the Torah. Once you open the Torah, you see it's it's not possible. And uh, again, I'm talking about even the Torah. Before you got to the Rabbanans, okay, that's a different argument. We're going to have a whole episode about the Torah Shabbat Peh, the, the Rabbanan, the, the oral Torah. But before even the oral Torah, right? Which the oral Torah was also, was also given out at the same time in Har Sinai through Moshe Rabbeinu. But um, um, even with the written Torah, it's full, it's loaded with checkable things. So therefore, the present theory will never kick off. Hey everyone, I'm interrupting this wonderful conversation to let you know about a fantastic, one-of-a-kind book that Artskol has recently published titled On the Shoulders of Giants. Rabbi Shmuel Bloom, who was involved in leadership positions in Agadis Yisrael for over five decades, 
takes us behind the scenes to gain a unique understanding of Das Torah and all its glory. Rabbi Bloom met with Gedoli Israel at Moetz's Gedoli HaTorah and in quiet, urgent conferences. He chatted with them in cars and on Shabbos afternoons at conventions. He shares with us stories, many of them not widely known, of generations of greatness. From the Chafetz Chaim to Rev. Aaron Cutler and Reb Meisha Feinstein, from the Ger Rebbes and Reb Aaron Lane Steinman to Rev. Dun Segal and dozens and dozens more. We also meet the Jewish people's Askanim. We are amazed by first-handed stories of Mike Tress and, of course, the incomparable Reb Meisha Sher. In his years in Agudah, Rabbi Bloom also met with the highest echelons of the U.S. government, and he shares his behind-the-scenes understanding of great political events and movements. It is a book you definitely should not miss. Get a copy today at archgirl.com, Amazon, or at your local Jewish bookstore. On the Shoulders of Giants by Rabbi Shmuel Bloom. Get your copy today. I would also like to let you know that every few weeks throughout the Back to Basics program, we are going to have a Q&A with Rabbi Liel Shalom. So if you have any questions or just want to get a little bit more clarity on any one of the episodes, send us your question to jewishfoundations at gmail.com. That is jewishfoundations at gmail.com. Every Q&A, we are going to give away a free copy of the incredible book On the Shoulders of Giants. So send us your question to jewishfoundations at gmail.com and you might be the lucky winner of the fascinating book On the Shoulders of Giants. And now, let's get back to the show. So far, these are the two arguments with the arguments. Okay? Now, here we get to the final, to the grand finale. And if those arguments and theories, past, present, future, whatever you want, you still feel it doesn't talk to you, well, don't worry. Don't worry at all. And what, and, and like just a little introduction to what I'm going to say, this is one of those things is like, like if it's real, it's, it's so real. If you understood, if you got it, if you really get the idea over here, this should me be, if, I mean, if you had any doubts till now or you didn't understand the sugya well, this would change it all. It's that dramatic, okay? It is, this is a very big deal. This is what we stand on. Um, that's what the whole entire stand is. It all stands on Harsina and this event. And if right now, right now here in the studio, we can make it alive while you're listening, we can make the Harsina once again alive and you can do it every second of your day uh, to see how real it is. And how miraculous this event is in 2021, um, you'll you'll see. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's a game changer. It's a, it's a it's really important piece of information as a Jew to hear. Okay, so here we go. We're going to start with the with a pasuk in the Torah. You're going to tell me, hey, you're opening a Torah to prove the Torah. Um, just have some patience. Wait, don't worry about that. You're going to open. In Chumash Devarim, the fourth parak, parak Dalit, very important. Go open it. Fourth parak, pasuk, the verse of Lamed base thirty-two. Okay, so parak Dalit, thirty-two, thirty-three. So remember four, thirty-two, thirty-three. So in pasuk Lamed base, it says Kish Alna liyamim rishonim. Kish Alna. Um, the Mefarshim also explains Alna. Is please ask. Hey, please ask. Oh, interesting. The Pasuk is asking me to ask a question. Hmm, okay, I'll ask. What should I ask for? Liamim Rishonim. 
for the earlier days. Ask for the earlier days, meaning to go search in the earlier days in history, right? Asher hayu lefanecha, the earlier days that were before you. Okay, so we are in 5,780, right? 81. 81. Sorry, Tashpa. So, uh, 5,781 years. Go back all those years. And Asher lefanecha, lemin hayom, asher baral elokim adam ala aretz. From the day that God created man on earth. Okay. So first of all, look in history. Look back in, in time. Not only that, from one side of Hashemaim, of, of, of the sky to the other side of the sky, meaning the whole entire, because the world is round. But, it's not, but it says, the edge of the sky or to the other edge of the sky, right? Meaning the whole entire planet, because the planet is, is round, right? So go... Every every part of the globe is really a corner, a corner of the sky, the end, where it ends, okay? So go till the end, till the horizon. You're still on planet Earth. Keep on going, okay? So meaning, go look in every place on planet Earth or in the or if you want in space as well, okay? Go look for it, meaning, go look today in Russia, China, Peru, Canada, Holland, um, Anywhere, go to South Africa, um, um, you know, India. Go look in any place on planet Earth right now where there's humans. In any time in history, what should I look for? Was there such a big thing like this? You ever heard of or ever they, you heard of some of, of such a thing? Oh my gosh, now I'm really, what, what is what is that thing? What? What should I look in history and look in, to, in now, in this year, right now, as, we, as you're hearing this, go look, go do search on Google, anywhere in the world, in history. What? What? What is that thing? You need to move to the next pasuk. The next pasuk is, did you ever hear Hashama am kol elokim. Did a nation, Hashama, did you hear? Did they hear what? A nation, kol elokim, the voice of God, medaber speaking, mitocha esh, from the fire, kasher shamata ata, just like you heard. I'm going to leave the last word of the Pasuk for the end. So again, what is that thing you should look in history? You should look for. In history, on any given time, in any place on planet Earth, go search for if there is a nation that had a mass revelation, that heard a nation, Hashama Am, that there was a nation hearing God speaking from the fire, like you heard. Now back to what you, Israel, were saying at the beginning. What were you saying? That if it would be possible to make such a thing up, that God revealed himself to three million people, like Rebbe was saying, these cult leaders and people who start religions, they're pretty smart people. Mm-hmm. You have to be a pretty smart person to convince, even if it's just 10 people, you know, something. So if they're that smart, then why couldn't they come up with a system to convince those people that God revealed himself to 3 million people or, or even less or even to, let's say, a 1,000 people? 
Because it's not possible. Because it's not po- exactly. It's not possible. Hmm. But you know what? That's a very nice idea. But what if maybe it's just not possible? And you know, but like we said, like we said in the in last week's episode, that don't forget. Right now, as we're speaking, as we're speaking, as you're hearing this, there's millions of people claiming that claim. Okay. So now. Listen to what we're going to do. Forget about now going back to that claim, whatever. Right now, let's take the fact that people are claiming that right now. Okay? Is there any other nation in history or today that claims that claim? Go search. No other religion in the world, group, or nation claim our claim. Right? And we're saying that's crazy, right? Isn't that crazy? Not only that, wait. The book is saying that. The book is promising, go and check. Did we speak before about checkable lies? I don't want to get get you confused. A a, a lot of these places like, oh, no, don't go ask. Like, this is the truth. Stay here. Like, oh, they're talking baloney. Don't believe them. He's like, no, go check. Go check. Go Go look for it. I'm not hiding anything. Do your own research. Do your own research. And you'll see that there's no other nation claiming that. Well, not only that. Again, that's not. Now, here's the point. The point is, not only that, the book predicted that. This is a book that's a thousand years ago. Everyone agrees. The whole entire world agrees. We know that the Torah is 3,330. Almost three. Three years, almost, soon. And Shavuos, Shavuos we love is the three, 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 three number. Right? But even according to the rest of the world, even according to Christians or whatever, they all, everyone agrees that Tanakh, that the Bible, is a few thousand years old. Okay? So there's a book. That's standing for thousands of years, predicting that no one ever will claim this. That's the point. Do you hear what I just said? Here's a magic trick. Look, there is a book that a few thousand years ago that's predicting history. Can a book control history? That's that's a miracle. Now, let me ask you, what's the difference between natural and supernatural? What's the difference between a natural? And supernatural, right? Teva and Ness, right? Natural, natural things, in very short, natural things repeat themselves. Like, like you know, let's say, um, rain. Rains every year, right? So that's a, a natural phenomenon, right? That uh, gravity, right? Gravity will always repeat itself. You always can check gravity and you'll see you know, if you have the right conditions and you're not out in space, if you're close to planet Earth, gravity will work. So that's nature. And that's natural, okay? And anything that will, you could predict it and you can see how it works and it will repeat itself, that same, with the same conditions is natural. What is supernatural? Supernatural, if a guy is driving with the car, he flies off a cliff and then he's hanging there in the air. And nothing happens then. And slowly, slowly floats back all the way back to the street. Um, can you repeat that? Okay, go drive over the cliff again and repeat that. <laughs> you ain't repeating that, right? That is supernatural. That's not natural. Now, so you asked, so you can ask, do um, you know, this idea of a mass revelation of 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 that people will claim again, at least just claim. That they, that they had a mass revelation. Should it happen again besides only by the Jews? It should. Shouldn't it happen again, Israel? It should. It yeah. should. 
Did it happen? Nope. Is that natural? Nope. So our very own claim by saying we stood in Mount Sinai and had a mass revelation, that claim in itself is a, is a supernatural claim. Because just because of the fact that anywhere in history and in a given time right now till now in the last 3,000 years, there was no one in the world that repeated that. And that's a miracle. That's a miracle. That, and the book is saying that. Listen, and no one will ever repeat what, and no one will ever claim your claim. That's kind of like giving a stamp of truth within the claim itself. Meaning Hashem wanted to give us that our claim, not, not only that it really happened, but in our very own claim that we say from father to child, we stood in Mount Sinai and had a mass revelation, you have a way to check it. In any given time in history, and those two psukim are dedicated for that magic trick. Hey, go check with a big smile. The Torah I've is saying got nothing it. to hide. Go check, and you'll see in history that you're only claiming it. That's kind of verification for you. It's also like another one of those things that Rebbe said before that you know all these cults leaders they never say something that you could actually go and check. This is one of those things. Like if it would be a lie, then whoever made this book up, he wouldn't write that. Never in the history of the mm-hmm. world there's going to be another religion or cult that's going to that claim is going to claiming that God revealed Himself to the entire nation. Like, how do you know? Maybe even in let's say ten thousand years from now, there's going to be someone who does it. Right. Oh, like, oh wait, wait. Very good. Know? Very good. Wait, wait. So now you're asking a question, sort of. That's the next point I want to that that we need to finish off. Again, the bomb is not done yet. Okay, it's in the middle of exploding. Okay, <laughs> so so very good, Israel. You're asking, but okay, so it worked. Let's say it worked for three thousand three hundred and two years. It worked, and it predicted history. But maybe next year will fall apart. Maybe next year there will be a group of people, you know, and maybe people hearing us right now will go. Yeah. You know what? Let's debunk Judaism. And uh, that, again, you said before this is one of those things that are that are are checkable things. This is the thing that's checkable. It's not checkable. You could, like, go do it. Exactly. It's not like, oh, let's go check if it ever have Like, go do it. Right now. Go and do it. Exactly. No one's stopping you. How crazy is that? Isn't that crazy? Didn't we just perform a magic trick? Here's a magic trick. Magic trick you cannot find in history. Only you can claim. And like you said before, you brought what you said at the beginning and before. That just brings a more chizuk. More strengthens the point that, like, why shouldn't other religions sell it that way? That's the most verified way. They should have done it in the best way. If they, if you know, if they're, if they, they should do it better than Judaism. And no one ever did it. No one ever. Not only that, Judaism is saying that. Listen, no one will claim or claim. However, someone I might argue, and that's going to bring us to the final, final, final point of this idea of the bomb. And then you're going to really start dancing after you hear this. Like, it's going to be wow. Okay? You might ask, okay, wow, I have nothing to say. You're right. 3,330, almost three years, um, your claim is standing and no one else in the world is claiming. That's that's a miracle. That is a miracle. Right. I don't have any other explanation. It's a miracle. But, hey, maybe tomorrow in a year or two in 10 years and 20 years and 100 years, someone will claim your claim. And then Judaism will all fall apart because it's all standing on this that no one will ever claim your claim, right? But maybe in, in the future, someone will claim it. Hmm? Hmm? And the answer to that, ooh, 
It's beautiful. Listen to this. And, and really, it's bringing us to the real truth of the way looking at this claim of, of Harsina. Imagine you're playing poker. You know what poker is? You know what poker is, right? Yep. You know what poker is. Imagine you're playing poker and um, you need to roll dice. You have two dice. I have one, two, three, five, six. Imagine you take it and you roll a dice and you throw it and you have six, six. Are you lucky? I, d- I never went to a casino and played the dice no, games yeah, 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 and stuff. Monopoly, but... Monopoly I meant. Ah, Monopoly? Yeah, six <laughs> I, is, I meant... is a nice number. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Good. So you take the Monopoly dice and you go, I, I want uh, um, poker because it's a lot of money, right? Mm. You you put $100,000 down there, okay? And you're going 6-6. Six, six. Boom. Are you lucky? If those are the numbers that are going to double my $100,000 pile, then very lucky. Yeah. Are you lucky if 6-6 six, six came out good? Imagine... You rolled another time, six, six, twice, one after another. Are you very lucky? Up to 400,000 now, yeah. You're very lucky. Yep. Very. Today's my lucky day. Your lucky day. Imagine you roll the dice 10 times in a row, six, six. Oof, 10 times in a row. I'm not that good at math, but I think that's enough. Forget about the numbers right yeah. now. Are you, look at the dice, only the dice right now. What are you going to say? He's very, 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 very lucky. Let's push it. Let's say he's like the most lucky, he's the luckiest person I ever saw. Okay. Imagine you roll a dice, six, six, a hundred times in a row. Impossible. Impossible. Uh, impossible. What about thousand times in a row? I, <laughs> come on, yeah. come on. I mean, if a hundred is impossible, obviously a thousand is impossible. If it's going to happen, then after three times already, the casino is going to go check those dice to exactly. make sure you're they not cheating. It. They checked it. They checked it. They brought the most professional person to check the dice. It's all good. And he's keep on going. The guy's six, 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 six. Even after, if it happens like 15, 20 times, nobody, no matter who's going to check it and say, oh, it's actual real dice, like nobody's going to believe you that it right. actually happened. But Everybody's going to oh, the- there was a magic <laughs> trick or somehow the dice were, I don't know what you did, but it just, it just, it, it just can't happen. Forget about a thousand times. I about want a thousand. Times. What about you say about the guy a thousand times? And he's like, he's making, he's taking everyone's money. I know. I, I think he's like, by that t- point, I think Rabbi Kellerman says that as a joke, the guy's getting arrested. Yeah, they, for they're sure. taken away. Like you have Dana White. <laughs> also, he, and he, he doesn't cheat. He's just so good. At Blackjack, he got kicked out of a few casinos in Las he's too Vegas. Good. Well, I think one night he 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 won. He walked out of a casino with seven million dollars. He like walked in with one, and left with seven million dollars. And then like the next morning, he got a call from the like head of the hotel casino. <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, you're banned from the casino for life." <laughs> they know why such a boss as he is. He's like, "Okay, well, all the UFC events that were planned." are all canceled, and we are never using your hotel again. So have a nice day. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Unbelievable. Got him back there. Yeah. Anyway, so... And he, and he didn't roll a dice a thousand times in a row. He was just good at what right, he did. Right, right. But I'm talking about rolling the dice. Yeah, so rolling the dice is... after a couple... After less than ten times in a row, you get the... Uh, you know, you roll 6-6 six, six and that's it. Like, you're gone. You're out of there. They, You know, they don't la- allow you to continue play. A thousand times is like every casino in the world you're kicked out of. Wait, Israel. What if you do it 3,332 times? And a half. You roll a dice 6-6. Six, six. 
What if you do it three thousand? You get the, you get the point. I, I, I'm 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 trying to yeah. It's like now you get the point. So what did you ask before? Maybe okay. You guys were right, Jews for for your claim is st- miraculously standing, and no one else is claiming it for three thousand three hundred thirty-two years. But maybe in the future it's going to happen. It's like saying we roll the dice already. We roll Jews. We roll the dice for three thousand. We're right. We're correct for three thousand. Now, in statistic world, I'm gonna go deep into it because I really don't know my way around statistics. But um, but Rabbi Kellerman says he's better and he's he knows statistics. Um, he says in 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 the scientific world, it's called if you roll the dice so many times, what are the chances that I'm just just a lucky a super three thousand three hundred thirty lucky guy? What are the chances? So in simple numbers, it's 9.9999999999 chances that it's, I'm, I'm just, it's a, that it's a, that it's a miracle. To say that I'm, I'm lucky, it's saying 0.0000000 somewhere there, you stop and you put a one. Okay? That's the, Comparison between a person that will, okay? So listen, a guy will say, well, you Jews are so lucky. For 3,330 years, you're so lucky that your claim is still standing. Oh, but but in the in the future, it's going to, it's going to, someone will come and claim it. And then you'll fall apart. That's like, that's, a person could say that. But you know how much, where is he standing on a percent? On percentage? 0.0001%. Or you could just tell them, okay, so when that or, happens, we'll talk. But till okay. that happens. or No, or right now, stay on the 9.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
And he was their representative. Just get it. Okay, so Rabbi Kelman in Tel Aviv, I think it was, he goes, he has a meeting with them. To make a long story short, Rabbi Kelman is like, so tell me, how did your religion, how did a revelation go? So he's like, no, Rabbi, this is not how we work things. You tell me. So Rabbi Kelman started telling him this, everything we said now, and this is the living proof. And here you see, straight in your eyes, we are the true religion. We hold the true revelation of God, and it's a miracle. The guy was listening, and he was too calm, Rabbi Kelman says. It's just the sky was so chilled. didn't move him. And he tells him, well, very interesting, Rabbi. Um, very nice. But, you know, we have also the same thing. You know, the Bhagavad Gita was the fight, I think, between two giants. And uh, there were three million people that were witnessing it. So Rabbi Kelman is like... So, so, so tell me, Dita. So, what happened? So, there are three people, three million people. It's interesting also that three million. I'm wondering how they came up with that number. Why not five million or two million? But whatever, they had three million, okay? That's interesting, you know? But, anyways, that's a side point. So, he starts describing. So, he said, oh, interesting. Also, but just like the Jewish tradition, also from the, from the, from the, the holiness or whatever of the event, from the revelation, they all, dropped down and died because we also have in our story in the Midrashim it's brought down that we couldn't bear hearing Hashem's Kaviachal's voice and we all uh, died and the Malachim revived us, right? There's a whole meaning behind that you know, like kind of uh, the, the, the Tikkun but we're not going to go into that but uh, so Rabbi Kelman is like in this point also so interesting like 3 million they all die so Rabbi Kelman is like okay so they all died and then what happened? And the guy's like, yeah, they they died. Yeah, but yeah, continue the story. What happened late? What happened after? What what what's the next? What's next? So he says, yeah, I'm explain to you. They all died. They all died. Hmm. They all died. So says Rabbi Kelman. So how in the world do you know this? They all died. So who survived? They all they're all dead. Yes, they were all dead. They're all dead? So who who told you this? Ah, oh, no, 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 Rabbi. This happened. A few hundred years later, there's a guy that came and he told us that so-and-so happened and he gave it to us. <laughs> We're back to what? <laughs> Zero credibility. credibility. Let me read you the last word of the Pasuk. Hash, go search in the world. Go look around. Go shalni amimushar. What should you look for? Pasuk lamed gimel. Hashama am kodelokim. Did a nation, nation, hear a voice of God speaking from the fire? A real event that uh, with checkable things. Kasher shamatata, just like you heard. And what's the last word? Vayechi. And lived. The story must be that you lived to tell. Other than that, if it, if they didn't live, right? So. <laughs> Uh, who exactly started this tradition? Who start, How did it get to you? Oh, one guy. Yep. You go back to that. So, but who claims that their forefathers stood on Har Sinai, all heard God speak, and lived to tell? And you're still saying, saying that in year 2021, we're speaking out. And you won't find, and it has a verification code on it, proving history. It's like rolling the dice. And it's going, and the more years that pass, by the way, as a side point, the more years that pass, the stronger it gets, this verification code. Because like I said, every year that passes is another ro- uh, year of rolling the dice. Exactly. And getting the same number. And being more uh, more and more, you know, 
strong with your verification code. You know, at the early years, back in the years when it was closer to Maimad Harsinai, the tradition was much stronger. The tradition of father to son was no one even questioned it. Today, that we're further away, and unfortunately, a lot of Jews. Uh, it's kind broke of like the, the Holocaust tradition. today, right? A lot like of if Jews. Some, if someone the, denies the, the Holocaust, you look at him as a crazy person. Like, what right. do you even mean? Like, right. you know, like uh, we yeah. all have grandparents, or at least friends who had grandparents who are Holocaust survivors, or you know, but. In a well, thousand we'll in years from right. now, then if someone's going to say, oh, the Holocaust never happened, then like, you know, you won't look at him as such a crazy person because uh, like, you know, it could be it's something that was made up. Right, right. So that's why we have this, besides the very strong tradition we had on the actual event that was brought down from father to son, in a certain point, the Torah knew that it's going to, that we need a, something that will hold it tight forever, Right. And this is with this miracle of these two psukim that we just mentioned. So go over this again. Hopefully you, I hope you hit the point of really understanding this because this is a very, very big one. As you all realize, it's alive. The Torah is alive. The Harsinai event is still alive just from the fact that the Torah predicted history and knew that only you will claim it. No one else can come in. And that's your verification code. That the Maimon Harsina happened. And if that happened, hoo -hoo, now we're diving into Judaism. If the Harsina happened, let's learn. And that's what's going to bring us to the, you know, when we start diving and we're talking about the Torah Shabal Peh, right? The oral Torah, there's another part of the Torah that's all coming up to understand how do we know that it was accurate and that was passed down accurately. That and more. Stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. Thank you very, very much for listening. Thank you, Rebbe. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week. So that is it for today. Hope you learned something new. Hope you enjoyed. Help us out by letting a friend know, subscribing, and leaving a comment. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. We will be back next week.